This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. We're right now, the bounty of pr- produce that's around is s- something to behold at Zupan's. Yesterday, I picked up some unbelievably juicy cherries, same thing with strawberries, and they have some really special pineapples. A couple of varieties there, one of them from Costa Rica, which are honey gold, and they are fantastic. And they have another one, which has kind of a pink hue to it, which I did not get, but I encourage any of our listeners to go in and try that. We have talked about this. We have uh, sung its praises for some time. The produce department at your local Zupans, it's its beautiful. I did the exact same thing you did, Chris, because we, we actually, you and I met yesterday at the Lake Oswego Zupans for a little meeting. And then I don't know if you went in before me or, or, or after our meeting, but I walked in and I saw these gigantic white peaches and nectarines and all the, a, mm-hmm. like a bunch of stone fruit so i was grabbing all of that because my my daughters love it and uh, it, it, you can never go wrong at your local zoo pans when it comes to produce so um yeah Highly recommend you do that. And uh, one thing, you know, we've been talking about this event for years and we planned this meeting, not really thinking about it on Thursdays at Lake Oswego, it's burgers in the breezeway. And I had the most delicious bon me burger. It was their burger of the week um, burger, but they have other burgers. Um, so if you live in the Lake Oswego area or you want to make a special trip on a Thursday from 11 to two, um, take advantage of burgers in the breezeway. The fries were also delicious. Chris, I know you, you, t- you partook some of those. I took a few of those and you, you gave me a bite of your bon me burger too. Yeah. Thank you so much. I didn't want a whole one for lunch, but it was absolutely delicious. And, you know, it's a nice setting there, too. They have tables outside in the breezeway. And, um, yeah, it's a good option. It's a good dry place. You can get a parking spot and go order a burger and then go in and get some pineapples. There it is. Three locations to serve you, including McAdam, Lake Oswego, West Burnside. And then, of course, we always recommend that people sign up for the news feed because then they can find out about the different specials and deals going on at their local Zupans. And, Chris, where do they do that? That's simple. Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. I'm co-host, I almost threw in extraordinaire, Court Johnson. <laughs> That's kind of like the people. Have you noticed that people say, please leave a message and I'll call you back at my earliest convenience? Yeah. That's kind of screwed up. Like I, when, I, when it's convenient for me. Right. I'll get back to you. Well, it's not supposed to go that way. It's please get back to me at your earliest convenience. Sure. Not, I'll do it when I want to. Well, you know, so I, that's I, truth and honesty. The same though. thing as you calling yourself extraordinary, <laughs> but you are. Well, I, I you know, it's I, I'm big in the hyperbole, as it were. Like it's the it's the radio part of me is just make, make yourself make yourself sound a little bit bigger than you actually are, and and maybe some people will believe it. Does that have to do with the burger you had at Zupan's yesterday? Uh, um, quite, maybe. <laughs> bigger, bigger than you actually are? Yeah. No. It was a delicious burger, I'm by the way. I'm just kidding, Court. Yeah. We have such a sensitive uh, populace out there now. I did not mean that. And, and, and Court's laughing. He's smiling, I, I think. I, I, think I, I, I assumed you were talking about my ego, or I was talking about <laughs> okay. my ego. Either way. Yeah. So, so Chris, uh, today's episode of the, of the podcast is actually one of the ones where I host it. So before we introduce our guests, I did want to talk to you about uh, some upcoming trips because you're going to be busy uh, for the next couple of months because you've got uh, various things planned. And in some cases, people could actually join you, correct? That is true. I don't know if that's a selling point, joining me, but joining uh, incredible people for trips like Leif Gildersleeve and Eric England of Flying Fish to go fishing with them. This embodies everything I wanted to do with Portland Food Adventures when I started it 10 years ago, is to get to know the people in the food industry. And in this case, you're going fishing with the guy who's the, you know, the premier fishmonger in Portland and his chef. So we have that. Um, we have two spots that are on consignment. People who previously had bought tickets and then 
things came up for them and they can't go. So we're trying to resell their tickets so we can get their deposits back. But also, this is the last year ever that George and Lynette Hauptman, who we did... We interviewed on this podcast, great podcast, people should go back and listen, are going to be guiding trips down the river with Canyon Outfitters. Um, Canyon Outfitters will go on, but they won't, and this is the last of 40 years. So it's a real treat, and it would be a shame to have two spots empty. Um, It's a great trip. We did it last year. Leif and Eric served their oysters and salmon and all sorts of fish along the way, and then they do the last night. So we have two spots. That's just simply a matter of contacting me and locking those down to get in the river on July 17th through the 21st, launching close to halfway Oregon at Hell's Canyon Dam. It's really a great trip. So we have, you know, we sold out also the trip to with Ringside and Jonathan Gill. That sells out in a day, usually. And so that's sold out. We only have two spots left. We also have spots for our trip to Sicily with my dear friend, Austria Ensign. And um, that is in September, September 16th. Um, it is Western Sicily this time. Palermo, Erice, Agrigento, and back to Palermo and all parts in between. Um, that's a fantastic trip. Um, right now, our guests are mostly single women or women traveling solo. Um, so if there's someone who's generally a little uncomfortable about traveling alone or in a bigger group with lots of couples, this would be a great trip for someone who wants to go join people um, and have uh, make new friends and eat incredible food and drink great wine. That's They're both. Both trips are at portlandfoodadventures.com under the trips tab. Thank you so much, Court. This is a public service announcement to anybody who likes to travel and eat. Very nice. I, I love the disclaimer there at the end, Chris. That's uh, it, it makes it all well, all right. I always feel weird right. promoting my stuff, but I believe in it. And you know, where else? You know, it costs a lot to promote on Facebook now. And sure, I'm going to take my opportunities where I have them. So we have people listening to this, and I know we have people coming on this trip who heard it on the podcast too. So why not? So there we go. Very nice. So Chris, and in fact, uh, I th- I think you're probably going to have some uh, some new listeners to the podcast this week because uh, our guest today has already started promoted his uh his appearance on the podcast even before it even happened so it's quite possible their interview just happened yesterday happened yesterday but mike westfall was already on uh, i think it was on instagram that i saw him posting a picture of him getting ready for it and so uh, he was excited to come on the podcast um that is our guest today uh mike westfall is a is a friend of mine i've known him for as long as i've lived here in portland um, he's the co-owner of Tapforia in Tigard. It's located right there on Highway 99, kind of in the heart of uh, of Tigard. It's a tap house. It's a bottle room, and uh, it's kind of the uh, neighborhood pub, as it were, uh, for that uh, area of town. And definitely a, a special place to go. Now, Mike is one of these guys, Chris, and and I get into a little bit this with him. But he's one of these big personality guys. But when you get to know him, um, you love him to death. And uh, if you become friends with him, even better because he's always got your back. So um, today we talked to him. Well, I talked to him yesterday, but you're going to hear it today. Uh, we talk about kind of his uh, his background, which is not in the uh, food and beverage world, um, but how it led him to uh, creating Tapforia with a, with a partner. And then also before he did that, he was, uh, he created, uh, the Portland party bus company, which is one of those party buses that take you around in those shuttles. Um, Oh, he's still doing that today. So that's fantastic. And I think it's cool that we're, you know, the Portland food scene has changed and it has moved a little bit out to the suburbs now. So they suburbs now are more a part of the Portland food world than before. For instance, Canard, Oregon City, opens this weekend. That's right. They're open for reservations. And, you know, lots of places in Lake Oswego that, that years ago it would have been unheard of for a lot of the typical Portland wonderful food places to open out there. So I think it's cool that we're, we're talking about what's going on outside of Portland proper. And in fact, Chris, we talk about that very specifically. I asked him if he feels threatened by this idea of all these 
you know, longtime downtown Portland or Portland proper people moving to the suburbs. And uh, you'll be interested. I'm not going to tell you what he said because you're going to have to listen to it in the podcast. But uh, uh, very insightful. Um, They are celebrating their eighth anniversary of Tapforia um, next week. So we talk about some of the festivities they're doing as part of their anniversary. But uh, a great conversation with a good friend of mine. This is Michael Westfall of Tapforia. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. Featuring the best chef-centric experiences in Portland since 2010. Go to PortlandFoodAdventures.com to see about the exciting trips our host Chris Angelus leads to places you have dreamed of going, like Western Sicily, this September. It's time to stretch your international wings and expand your culinary horizons. Let Portland Food Adventures do all the planning to the best dining and culture all over Europe and elsewhere with Portlanders you'll get to know and enjoy. PortlandFoodAdventures.com so anyway, so Mike, uh, thank you. I, I said this off mic, but I will say it now on mic to Mike. Thank you for uh, coming on as a guest in such short notice. Absolutely, but anytime. I almost feel like I, I have to give sort of a setup um, because of all the people we've had on the podcast, um, and and we're it, we're in our we just celebrated our eighth year. We're going into our we're now in our ninth year. I don't think I've uh, I've known somebody as well as I know you, but I, I'm hopeful today, Mike, that I find something about you that I haven't found, that I haven't learned before. So all right. I'm looking well, forward to that. <laughs> let's see where this goes. I got all the hard questions. Um, but yeah, it, the, I guess the background I really should say in terms of, of why I know you so well is that you and I have spent a <laughs> large amount of our time hanging out with each other at uh, dance competitions, dance studios, um, in costume for things like, say, the Nutcracker. So we we have a bond that I don't think most male adults like have with each other, right? Would you say, you, that's pretty accurate. Buddy, I wear a dress once every two years. So yes, we yeah. have a special bond, I would say. Right. And for context on that, if you're familiar with the Nutcracker, there's a there's a character called Mother Ginger, and Mike is is our Mother Ginger. There, it, it's funny, Mike, because I think you've you've kind of reached a point where like you're ready to uh, to hang up the pantyhose, yep. as it were, or I guess the the bustier or whatever that weird bra thing you have to wear. <laughs> and my, my daughters Quinn and Sloan are like, like, hey, Dad, you should do that. And I'm like, eh, I'm not tall enough. I'm not as tall as Mike. I, I can't do it. We'll figure it out. If you want to do it, it's oh, all yours. I'm, I'm, I'll bet you, Mike, somewhere within the uh, the dance community, there's a dad that's just he wants that that job really bad. <laughs> do you think? You know what? There might be. I do know one offhand that has shared interest in that um, role. See, there we go. So we'll there see. We we'll see. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we, we our, our, our kids are in the same dance studio and, and we've spent a lot of time with each other. And this is something that Randy and I, my wife, Randy, for, I have to, I, it's funny, Mike, I have to feel like I have to explain who these people are to the listeners because they might not know who my wife is. So when I say Randy, Randy's my wife. Um, when we moved to Oregon, so it's now been, let me do the math here, 11 years. Um, it was kind of done, not in haste, but we, Randy got offered the job. They wanted her to start right away. So we came up, looked around Portland a little bit to see what neighborhoods we were going to go in. But then Randy had to kind of start her job like the next week. And so she was basically going out on Craigslist whenever she had a free moment, just trying to find a, a house for us to, to rent. 
and it just so happened that we ended out here in the southwest part of the the portland metro uh by happenstance and and that that short decision that you know where she and houses were going quickly at the time for rents rentals and uh so that quick decision she had to make in terms of finding a place for us to live has pretty much set up our entire life for the last 11 years because you know we ended up in the school district that we send the girls to and then we you know we, we hunted around for the dance studio we ended up going with the dance studio that was the closest to us and that's where um that's where i met you and so but it's you know that like i said that short quick decision randy had to make 11 years ago um was really like the greatest thing that ever happened to us because i was able to meet meet some some great friends and people that became our family away from our family here in, in portland and, and you're among those we'll see look um yeah are you blushing over there oh, buddy you got me blushing already look at that three minutes <laughs> into it yeah so that's that's the big long belabored setup to uh why i i, I and, and you're one of these guys and there's few of them in my life where like you you if people meet mike they you instantly feel like you have a connection you feel almost like your best friends and uh it says a lot about you mike just as a as a person so well thank you buddy um, man i appreciate it so let's uh so the the setup really is this is about eight years ago um I guess the the anniversary is coming up next week. Um, the uh, your your tap house Tapforia um, opened officially, but it was probably years in the uh, in the making. You, you didn't decide overnight to to set up a, a tap house. <laughs> it wasn't that I'm sporadic of a decision. Yeah. No, it was it was in the work for a while. Yeah. Um, but in terms of your background, I mean, when I met you again, going back all these years, um, you had your your little coffee shop out there on uh, I guess it was Hall and close to Shoals Ferry, yeah, yeah, and uh, the the party bus, yeah, and those were the two things that I knew you were, you, you might have had your hands and other things, but those were the two big things. And then suddenly, you know, the rumors started flooding through the dance studio. <laughs> hey, Mike's starting, he's opening up a tap house, and I was like, what? <laughs> So let, let's talk first before we talk about Tapforia, kind of your, your background, like um, your this entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you're, my understanding, Mike, and you can walk us through this, is you're from Tiger. That's where you've decided to call home. Um, have you already always had kind of this entrepreneurial spirit about yourself? Yeah, you know, for the most part I have. After high school, I did a bunch of sales stuff that I felt kind of projected me towards that path because you know a lot of sales position you're kind of your own your own boss your own supervisor kind of doing your own thing um and i kind of realized after you know many years of sales that it was time to go back to school uh figure out exactly what i wanted to do and that's when i got a business degree and literally i think i actually started the party bus my senior year at portland state and just kind of hit the ground running with that um, right after graduation it wasn't the exact plan after college. Right. I thought I was going to be more of a corporate world. I had a family member who worked at Nike and had uh, some interest in you know going along that route. Uh, but Party Bus, it was very weird how fast it took off uh, back in 2006. It was kind of the first all-party bus company here in town. A lot of the limo companies only had limos and suvs and very few uh actual party buses i'm six four and like we'll call it 250 on a good day i i'm not a fan of limousines right you get stuck right. you get cramped um so i kind of thought there was a small demand um for party buses and like i said it projected me down a different path but it's worked out well so far so in in terms of of why the the party bus and I, I guess for context if people don't know what a party bus is we've seen these around they've become kind of they're more common today than they were back in 2006 i'm assuming oh, absolutely but these are the kind of the big oversized mini buses yep. right how would you describe it well so that's that's what i specialize in some in town have large you know 30 40 passenger buses bathrooms um that's not my deal i i've yeah i started with you know, right around 14 or 15 passengers and down from there. I feel those are small groups, um, a little more intimate. Uh, we kind of specialize in wine tours and beer tours and that kind of stuff. So it's a lot easier for my size vehicles to get in some of the more boutique small vineyards and smaller places that these large, you know, Greyhound style buses can get into. So 
but yeah, they look just like limousines inside. I mean, I have, you know, wraparound leather couches and hardwood floors and sound systems and, and lights and all the fun stuff that you'd find in a limo, but in, uh, in that shuttle, shuttle style bus itself. Yeah. And you can, you can stand up in them. That's, that's the yeah. stand up, stand up ish, unless you're six, four. Exactly. It makes it nice. It's easy to move around, get people in and out. Um, yeah. You know, people like it. And and you said th- that you started that kind of not not by accident, but just kind of un- unintentional that it would take off the way it did. Yeah, it was funny. The summer, I guess it was the summer of 2005. I had a few buddies that were getting married. Um, I drew the short straw and was best man's on both of them. So I was trying to find a vehicle that we could be safe and go out and have a good time and no one was drinking and driving. And there were, I think there was only two buses here in Portland at the time. And I was like, oh, this is what I want. I can stand up. We can move around. We won't be cramped. And they were booked constantly. Every, every weekend that I thought we could try to get this event planned, they were always booked up. So that was when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start my own and kind of do it on the sides as a little side hustle from my, you know, Monday through Friday job, and that right. still has yet to happen. I'm still doing, <laughs> still doing it after all these years. Your side, your side hustle is your uh, uh, not full time. It's just one of your many full time hustles. It's just you're you're hustling. I try, I try, buddy. Yeah. Got to, got to, got to get these kids in dance, and my oldest is off to college and trying to hustle away. Right. So, um, so you, you start up the, the party bus. When did the uh, when did the coffee shop kick in? I well, the that? funniest part about that is so my partner currently at Tapforia, Ted, he owned the coffee shop before me. I actually it was the unofficial first office of Portland Party Bus. He ran it for about three years, um, and I dedicated his patio area as portland party bus's first office that's where i did all my phone calls and everything he had another business opportunity um i'm guessing it was about two th- let's call it 2010 um he had an opportunity to purchase a pre-existing restaurant and bar from his in-laws um, and he needed some startup capital so i always kind of joked around with him saying man this would fit so well in my my party bus schedule, because party bus schedule at that time seemed to be very weekend exclusive, you know, late nights. And I was like, well, hey, right. this is a daytime business. I'd buy it off you if you ever sold it. And he cold called me one day and said, it's yours if you want it, and told me about his opportunity. So I bought it off him, and we ran that up until, I think it was June of the dreaded COVID year, 2020. Um, right. But yeah, it was fun, man. It was super, super fun. And uh, like I said, purchased it from a great buddy. And now we currently own uh, Tap4 together. So Yeah, so so obviously um, um, that that relationship there um, fostered, you know, the, the building up of Tap4. So how did, and I'm assuming that was probably a similar thing, like just conversations with each other of, uh, you know, looking for the next thing you wanted to do. How did that go well, yeah, about? Yeah, it was funny. So... We were just super good friends. We were neighbors. I met him in an apartment complex, and we ironically went to Portland City at the same time. I was a marketing major. He was a finance. We didn't really interact or have any classes together, um, but we just became great friends. Like I said, purchased a coffee shop, and we kind of always kidded each other um, over the years that he was running his bar at the coast. I had the coffee shop and the party bus, and we always kept saying, you know, some some point we need to team up and and do something together so we always kind of pitched ideas to one another and nothing really seemed to you know attract that much attention on both sides um and i kind of pitched him one day of uh, a tap house and of course him being finance guy he ran a bunch of numbers and <laughs> finally took it to the next level of talks and figured out all right is this feasible you know what what, what we'd have to do every every week in sales and this and that and we slowly started looking for spaces it was about a i bet you it was about a year-long process um from actually saying all right let's dig into this further and see if 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 we could you know get a crack at this um from actually signing a lease and building out and then finally opening up uh eight years ago so i'd have to assume because uh, i'm i'm a dummy when it comes to this kind of stuff mike so um, but but I but I've been in in Oregon long enough and was actually working at the news department at uh, at KXL when I think they changed the Oregon law that it started to allow 
for take-home growlers. So is that kind of the is that where places like tap houses kind of they kind of came from that change in 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 the law where you can go in and fill up a growler you know at your local pub or or whatever i i mean i think that's a huge huge factor it was kind of the foundation um of what you see now how many tap houses are around um throughout the state i mean we were kind of fortunate living here in oregon with the incredible brewery scene that we have um but yeah once they started allowing you know pretty much jugs of beers to legally leave an establishment um that was a huge turning point for for the amount of tap houses that started popping up everywhere but that wasn't necessarily kind of what you were necessarily looking at right or or was it yeah a little bit of both i worked at one point for a distributor a local distributor here and uh i wasn't on the actual beer side of things i was teamed up with the with the wine guys but it was we were always hanging out at meetings, you know, going to different vineyards, going to different breweries, going to different bars. Um, and I always just thought it was kind of a fun, fun atmosphere. I never really wanted to be a true bar owner with, you know, a lot of cheap liquors and deep fried onion rings. And that just really wasn't appealing uh, to me. I liked more of the tap house vibe. Um, you've been to, you've been a tap for us, you know, we're pretty small footprint uh customers call it very cheers like i mean we have a mug club membership uh where we have 75 members that partake in our mug club memberships every year and it's funny to watch them um, you know interact we have contractors and painters and movers and one another everyone just kind of they need something they go through tapforia uh to find (laughs) to find that need that they need at their house or help with. Uh, so it's kind of funny. We, I, I just wanted to build something kind of small in a strip mall and see what happens. And it's been, it's been a fun evolution of, of that side of the business. Yeah. It was kind of my, my description that I kind of read out, uh, wrote out that if, you know, if people weren't familiar, if they didn't know where Tapforia was, it's, it, you know, I, I, I want to say the heart of Tigerd, Mike, but I'm com- completely confused <laughs> about what, what uh, Tigerd's boundaries are so wonky. I, I have no idea what, I mean, I know they have the downtown area, but then there's also 99W that kind of where uh, probably the majority of businesses actually are. Yeah. And there's that triangle thing that i think is oh. in tigerd and then the mall apparently is also in tigerd but i i have no idea but anyway so i like to think of just in the heart of tigerd is this neighborhood pub it's tap tap for you and it's quite literally that where it, it, when you go there just even a few times um you're seeing people on the regular and it's that and maybe unintentionally so maybe intentionally so it kind of sounds like it was just a, a place where people could go and and you know have a beer or, or fill up a, a growler um did I, did, did I nail it? Did no, that I, was I, perfect. And it was funny. It was actually unintentional because we, when we started crunching numbers, we thought we were going to be doing way more growler fills um, as we currently do. Meaning people would come in, sample a few items, uh, pick something they like, fill up a 32 or a 64 ounce growler and take it home. Yeah. Uh, so we decided we didn't need that much space. I think our square footage is right under... 1400 square feet so we decided all right it's going to be you know people would come maybe have a pint or two um we always had some type of food options and come in and and snack but it was going to be more of a let me get a pint of something fill and leave and we found out real soon that it was a complete opposite i bet you 85 to 90 percent of our business is uh customers coming in and spending you know an hour plus where they're hanging out drinking they're still filling growlers and and buying to-go beer, but it's definitely nowhere on the levels of to-go stuff that Ted and I thought in the beginning of that. Right. Um, and, and I and I think well, and actually, this is probably a good segue to it because I I did want to talk about um, how the the uh, game plan probably changed quite a bit drastically during the pandemic, and there's probably some lasting effects to that because I remember obviously when things shut down and everybody was trying to figure out like you how how are you going to operate your business um with zero guidelines on <laughs> what was allowed i mean to, to some degree you probably could have just done whatever you wanted and but you were trying to do the right thing right it was very very wild wild west uh ted and i we were sitting on i don't even remember how many hours of phone calls every week um zoom meetings with 
city, county, state, trying to figure out what we can and can't do, what the guidelines were, where we needed plexiglass, where we didn't need plexiglass. Uh, and it was very... I know a lot of people that just kind of did what they wanted to do. Uh, we were trying to <laughs> follow as close to guidelines as possible because we did not some of the fines that establishments were getting we figured yeah. one of those fly, fines would probably have crushed us and you know ha, would be on a different path right now so it was it was very confusing it was just you kind of it was a lot of common sense right <laughs> right yeah right yeah i, I, I remember um uh, having an experience there, um, and if if you know me, I'm I'm not a, a beer drinker. It, you, you don't see me regularly at Tap Forty as much as I love there. I just it's just it's never been my thing. But like you know, Randy and I, when when this hit and we could we knew that like I'm like oh shit, what what is what is Mike gonna do here? You know, we thought okay, let's be as supportive as we can. So we we, we dusted off our growlers, and I, I don't think I don't think you were ever there on the days we went in. But it very very much felt like. Um, and, and I don't think you were intending to do this, but, but you, you know, you set up kind of the way in to the, to the, to the, to Tapforia and the way out. It almost felt like the, uh, soup Nazi episodes. Oh, buddy, on, it totally where, had a cafeteria feel to it. You, you know what I mean? It would, which just is, is not what the vibe of Tapforia was about. It's just it, like, it just, but I mean, you, you were doing what you, what you could. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, here we are, what, two and a half, two and a half years removed, I'm assuming there there was a lot of pivot pivoting during that time because it was during this time where you started doing uh, a lot of the bottles and cans, correct? Was that during? Yeah, it's funny. Pandemic? We had almost zero desire um, to do bottles and cans uh, before COVID. We kind of we, we wanted to rotate our draft lift list, and the best and fastest way of doing that, of course, is with growler options. Right? Every time you take 64 ounces out of a keg, it it makes a dent out of it. So we never ever had bottle and can options um, as soon as COVID hit and we realized we were down to only to go items um, we didn't know how long our tap list would be able to sustain having items right so we needed to somehow increase items so we went out and actually bought it was kind of depressing in the beginning because we were touring a lot of bars and restaurants that decided just to throw in the towel right they didn't know how right. long it was going to last um, they probably had some high lease um, monthly leases at their establishments, whatever the scenario was, a lot of places were closing down. So we were getting lists of places that were planning on shutting down weekly um, from a lot of our sales reps and distributors. And it was depressing because we would then go tour these establishments and look for equipment to buy. Um, so that was kind of when we decided, you know what, let's get some new refrigerations, um, some, you know, cooler doors and start doing bottles and cans. And now people love it so we always have now you know single options if you want to come in just buy a single um, we do four pack specials of kind of build your own which people now love and then we have a separate cooler um, that you would you know see in any convenience or gas station that has four pack six packs and and 12 pack options to uh to purchase too so yeah we totally pivoted like i said never had any intentions of cans and bottles and now that probably makes up 50 percent of our our to-go beer sales Oh wow! So obviously that would probably be the the number one biggest change from the pandemic that's stuck around. Are are there other things, maybe more subtle things that you learned to do differently during the pandemic that have stuck around, or is that the big obvious one? That's the big obvious one that you would see up front. The the other large um, difference, I guess you could say, from pre to post pandemic is on our kitchen side. Um, we used to. Like I said before, we never had fries and onion rings and fryers and that kind of stuff, but we always made, um, you know, made to order sandwiches and salads and burgers. Um, we ceased that immediately upon COVID hitting and we have not really got back into the kitchen like we were at full speed. We're doing some light stuff, our pretzels and our homemade buffalo dip and snack options, um, but we haven't fully opened the kitchen yet with, you know, the previous menu that we had a lot of it's on staffing right now um, right we're just like every other restaurant bar fast food um, super shorthanded where I wouldn't have the staff even if I wanted to open up the kitchen right now um, don't have enough 
employees to do that plus food costs right now uh, my heart goes out to a lot of these restaurants that are are you know back to pan pre-pandemic levels and uh trying to buy buy the food keep their margins um try not to upset people with price increases because you know everyone hears that all over the board uh, right but i know these restaurants you know Businesses have to make a certain margin on everything, so it's kind of nice right now that we're not doing full food again. Uh, hopefully soon, um, at some point, I mean, we still have all the equipment and everything. It's just that's probably the the second biggest change of of you know things pre-COVID to to current levels. So um, my understanding is, and you would know this obviously better than I, is that part of the year the olcc requirement if you're you're serving alcohol at a you have there has to be some sort of food program in place correct that's kind of the it's the confusing yes you need five um substantially different hot items um for a full liquor license meaning if you want beer wine and hard liquor which hard we liquor. had pre-pandemic um that kind of set us apart from every other tap house not just locally, but statewide. Um, I frequent a ton of tap houses all over the place, and I never really knew any um, eight years ago that had not only liquor, but we tried to specialize in organ-only spirits. So we didn't have Jack Daniels, we didn't have Jim Beam, we didn't have tequila. We had only items that were at least bottled, produced, or distilled in the state of Oregon. So we kind of had a little niche where if you wanted a nice whiskey, um that wasn't a big national brand we carried it um if it was from the state so because of that that's why we started off day one with having a kitchen we were kind of forced to with the liquor license but we also knew that it's nice to have snacks uh let's right you know let's be real if you have food usually people stick around a little longer um if they have that option so as soon as COVID hit, when we closed the kitchen, we redid our license um, with OLCC, and we are now just doing beer and wine. Um, and with that, we no longer need the full um, five hot items. And 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 is that something you uh, see down the road, kind of changing back, going back to the full license? I would. It was funny, right? Literally, as COVID was hitting, starting like January, February, twenty twenty, we for the first time ever, we just put together a actual special bar menu with all of our spirits um and we were getting we were going to start implementing some new food items we were going to start doing some new wraps and we got to the point of we bought some tested it out on customers took pictures had in our menu book like we were ready to go with this whole new not only food menu and drink menu COVID hit and all of that stuff just kind of sitting around collecting dust right now. So yes, at some point, I would love to get back uh, to those pre-levels because, well, we'd have some fun new items to roll out for everyone. What was what was your intent on the the uh, Oregon only spirit angle? Was that was it because nobody else was doing it, or was it you know you just wanted to make it easier on yourself and not have like a you know have to do an inventory of like ev you know every every little bit of alcohol that's out there or was it just it was a combination i mean so if, if anyone's familiar with highway 99 there must be 30 bars up and down 99 from barber to sherwood so I, we didn't want to directly compete with any of you know the bars um and doing all those like i said we had no desire to do margaritas and daiquiris and all those you know your typical bar fare um so we decided, well, if we're going to do spirits, how can we do it where it's a little different from everyone else? Um, and just, you know, just something fresh. Um, with the party bus in, Portland has, I feel, a very underrated uh, spirit scene and distillery. I mean, we have so many distilleries over on Southeast Portland. They call it Distillery Row, out in Bend, Hood River, Crater Lake area. I mean, we have a ton of... Um, facilities here one right here in tiger that we used to do a lot of ro work with uh row city distillery so it was like you know what let's showcase most of the beers not all the beer that we have is from the state of oregon i mean we'll we'll buy micro beer as long as it's good from anyone that we can get it from our wine seems to be fairly favored towards the oregon um as far as that 
list goes. Um, we specialize, we just do keg wine. So luckily, once again, just like the brewery scene, ton of vineyards just south of us by what, 10 or 15 minutes. So we get right. a lot of local keg wines. So we figure, well, heck, if a lot of stuff here is local, then let's just kind of specialize in local spirits. And like I said, it kind of took off. Most people honestly didn't know. They'd come in and see the what do we have? Maybe 20 bottles on our back bar. And it was very funny because there was no recognizable labels to a lot of people. There was no absolutes. There was no Jack Daniels. There was no Jose Cuervo. So it was kind of fun to not only show people, you know, these are the things that are right here in the state. You can go down to that tasting room on the east side and go do a flight or whatever. But it just, it was fun to educate. It was fun to show off, you know, the good, the good juices that are made here in the state, buddy. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, an institution, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse. And get excited because now Ringside is open seven days a week, so you can join them for indoor and heated patio dining any day of the week. The hours are Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, Friday, 4.30 to 9.30, Saturday, 4 to 9.30, and Sunday, 4 to 9. So everything's closed. Close to the same, but go on Ringside's website to check out the updated hours and, of course, uh, see about their prime rib three-course $48 special that is moving back to its historic Monday. Yeah, that's really great. I, I, that's one of my favorite things to get at Ringside Steakhouse, so uh, you can put that back on the agenda for a Monday night. And prime ribeyes by the case are back at ringside ringside signature steaks are for sale on the website right now uh they're available for pickup on saturday june 18th which is father's day weekend don't forget that mothers other people and fathers and chris we should also point this out not only can you get their great steaks but if you love the way ringside seasons their steaks you can actually pick up the ringside signature house seasoning as part of this so do that as well some ringside steak salt that I had from a, a pack of beautiful food that I served at a party at my house uh, not long ago. And that ringside salt, the the, the steak salt that yeah. they provided is going to last me for a couple of years. I assume it's going to be good for that long. Very nice. It's you great. Can, you can put it on steaks, chops, chicken, and your vegetables. Why not? So make those reservations on the website. Check out the hours on the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com. So you, you kind of hit on on this a little bit and circling back to your food program, something that's kind of tailored back, but you are doing some things. And the best way I can describe it is somewhat pop-up-ish where you do have on certain days of the week and every week's a little bit different depending on various schedules, but you do have a, a food program in there and with some pretty unique stuff going on still right yeah i wish man i wish we had a huge parking lot that we own because i would totally bring in you know rotating food trucks and have a few regular food trucks always sticking around uh i'm a big fan of that stuff i mean my coffee shop was a little coffee trailer in the corner of a parking lot that i ran for 12 years so we decided well if we're not going to be doing food or as much food um as far as entrees go let's try to let's try to get some fun stuff in for the customers, yeah, we teamed up with, I mean, super local people. Uh, one of one of the one of the restaurants that supply food to our customers is on the other end of the strip mall from us. Right. Um, another one's right behind us in another strip mall. Um, but yeah, we've teamed up with a few local local companies um, to come in and cook for our customers and supply food. So it's been kind of nice, even though people loved our menu, I still get the, you know, when are you going to bring the Tap Foria Club back or the or the Bull Mountain Panini back? Um, it's nice to have kind of a rotating food schedule. And like you said, it's kind of hit and miss. Um, every week's a little different. Some are a little more consistent. Um, a lot of them are feeling the same pains as everyone else where they're super shorthanded. So schedules kind of have to be readjusted and everything. But we try to send out daily heads up or newsletters of you know hey today's this here's the food option here and and it's been people people have been loving it our wednesdays now we teamed up with a pizzeria right behind us called revente pizzeria and they do a special uh medium up to three topping pizzas for our customer delivered um so you don't even have to leave your bar stool and our customers are eating a ton of pizza right now on wednesdays they absolutely love it I could eat uh, pizza every day of the week. Oh, buddy. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so besides Revente, we have another local one, Blazing Euro. They're in our strip mall. They do food on um, Tuesdays for us. But then we also have a food truck um, from southeast Portland uh, called Salvia PDX. Um, and they do some amazing food. Uh, their pupusas are absolutely uh, to die for. They actually come in. They don't bring a truck or anything. They come in and take over our existing kitchen since it's pretty much just sitting there lights off most of the days um, we figured someone might as well come in and and utilize our space so they come in bring in all their food uh, they'll cook for the whole day and our customers absolutely love um, love their stuff it's salvadorian food um, so there hasn't really been a place in tigard um, that i know of at least that serves salvadorian food so it was another thing that kind of opened eyes and horizons on our customers and they're like what's 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 a pupusa and what's this and what's that so they make our own exclusive reuben called the tap for reuben which i'm a sandwich guy and i don't know how i've always loved a good reuben and just some minor tweaks on their end it's oh it's 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 amazing so it's been very very well received by everyone for for you know having this options rotating options for our customers daily and and i would assume that it accomplishes your your kind of goal whether stated or not is just not you're not the place that's just doing onion rings and fries as, as your food offerings where there is actually little something behind it yeah like i said there's too many too many places and there's nothing wrong with those places because i frequent all the bars up and down 99 all the time i just i i i didn't want deep fried food all the time i'm already a big guy that's the last thing i need is Big Mike to have easy More access that. to onion rings 24-7. Right. I, I would have to assume part of a, a, like due diligence of a, of a business owner is kind of keeping your eye on what, what the market, what your, quote, competitors are doing. And I, I don't even know if you look at it that way because it sounds as if you're intentionally trying to make Tapforia unique on its own so that you're not cutting into, you know, the bar owners down the street. It's just different people going to different places but i would have to assume you, you you have to kind of keep your eye on on the market are you seeing some changes within the industry within the the tap house world over the past couple of years that um have kind of that you've adopted or something you know things that you're seeing on the horizon that you're like okay we got to prepare for this anything like that is that too broad of a question well no so the the big one we touched based on it already was the the bottles and cans i'm glad that we were kind of early adopters i mean I, I guess you could call it early adopters as covid was hitting um i am seeing more and more separate refrigeration coolers popping up at some other tap houses where they're you know trying to add extra items to go um i like man i go to all the there's we were the first one in tiger that's our, i guess our claim to fame the first tap house in tiger there's there's we have three others now and i go to them you know i'll go in and duck in and have a beer and say hi we're super friendly with one another um i have noticed other ones have tried doing a lot more things as they were doing pre-covid you know um concerts people are bringing in you know like one-man bands or doing trivia um we thought about doing some of those items also uh a lot of our pushback is just our square footage um we get pretty busy on a typical day-to-day -day that i don't know if i have enough room for you know dedicated seating for people that want to play trivia or we have done some live music in the past and it's always been fun but it was always for an a themed event or some type of party um, but it's hard to give up you know tables and chair space for customers to even bring in you know an extra guy or two or you know woman on drums or something where we just haven't really done too much of that we thought about it this summer maybe on the patio uh, but even our patio is fairly small and it gets fairly full from time to time. So we haven't really done any extracurricular activities as that. Um, we're slowly just getting back into our tap takeovers that we try to do every month with different breweries um, to showcase, you know, their beers. Um, those events are always fun because they bring in some type of games and trivia or raffles and 
they were a long time coming because we took about two years off of those. Um, and we just had our very first one with Lewitt Bruin, one of my favorite breweries up in Vancouver from all the dance competitions we do up there. That's right, so they, right across the street yeah, from the Hilton. Just right yep. across the street. I told them I've spent so much time up there, I invited them to come down to Tap Forest. So they were just out two weeks ago, and it was funny. All the dance dads absolutely loved it. They got to drink, yeah. drink their favorite beer from them, and they didn't have to drive up to Vancouver to do it. Right. And, and, and spend, you know, three, three weeks in a, in a hot ballroom. <laughs> so I, you, you touched on something that's interesting that I don't think people, um, you know, really think about because, um, you know, if you put on your marketing hat, you're like, okay, what are the different ways we can get people in the door, get them talking about us? And that's where you get, I don't want to say gimmicky but where you start doing the different things where it's you know it's open mic night or it's you know performers but then suddenly if you do have an influx and even if it's just for an hour or an hour and a half and it's packed in there you've suddenly probably to a large degree displaced some of your regular customers who come in and and their their experience is not like it normally is and so it's kind of the catch-22 of the whole thing you might have got more people in there temporarily but may have you know angered bob who's never going to come back <laughs> no it's true we always hold our tap takeovers on wednesdays we we started doing them on fridays many 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 years ago thinking well it's friday right people are looking for something to do at the end of the week and we realized we were pissing off <laughs> a lot of our regular, regular. customers because yeah. here we had you know a brewery representative and a sales representative and they're bringing a bunch of swag so now they've taken over an extra table for the hats and their shirts and the giveaways which is awesome but we realized right. all right maybe friday since we're already so busy is not the best day to do things like this so now we have kind of everyone trained it's wednesday wednesday seems like it's almost as popular as friday it's that hump day during the week people need to to do something to get to that second half so we've we've kind of learned when the ideal times are to do you know different functions and events and fun stuff. So we're always down to do something fun. Um, it's just trying to find, like you said, I'd rather pick a day that's beneficial for all than just fill up the place for an hour and, and possibly upset some regular customers. Right. So we, we kind of hit on this a little bit um, just in terms of changes during the pandemic. One of the things we've noticed just in, in doing this podcast over the years and doing it during the pandemic is how some of the um some of the like the we we call we refer to them as the godfathers of the portland food scene pretty much just pulled out almost at the beginning of the pandemic which was surprising but now what we're seeing is is many of them ha are moving into the suburbs there's stuff moving into beaverton and stuff moving into lake oswego um those are some the of two the, you know, hot spots right now i swear everything's yeah. going beaverton or lake oswego right now yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and I remember just, you know, it was probably six months ago because it was in the middle of winter, but I remember driving through, um, maybe it was maybe it was longer than that because I, I felt like we were still wearing masks and, and feeling locked down. And if you go into downtown Portland, it was just a, a ghost town and it just was not a place you wanted to be, but you drive into downtown Beaverton and it was bustling and the restaurants were full and they had all that outdoor seating. It, it like, if it, it felt awesome, I was just like, well, good, good for these businesses. How does that affect you though? As, as a, as a tiger business that's been there for eight years, do you feel threatened in any way that some people are pulling out of downtown Portland to move to the burbs because they see, Oh, it might be a little easier to run a business out there. Honestly, not really. Um, I love the fact the huge thing we've seen is more breweries um, are coming out of downtown Portland area or even if they didn't have a location in downtown. They're picking Beaverton right now, man. There are so many breweries going over to Beaverton. It's almost, it makes her head spin. Um, and I, I think it's great because that just brings more people, right? More beer drinkers to the area, even though I'm, you know, 10 minutes down the road from them. Um, we have customers in Beaverton. So I feel like, you know what, if anything, it probably helps, helps all businesses like uh, myself and other tap houses because it just brings more people to the, to the region. People don't, I don't feel people mind driving from, Beaverton or Hillsborough, and then coming down to Tiger to try something new. Um, right. You know, instead of having to go down to downtown Portland and pay for parking and, and some of the things that you have to do extra down there. Um, so, no, I, I w honestly, I wish more breweries. We have one in Tiger right now. 
Um, I, I, w I would love to see like two or three more pop up on 99 because it would, I think it benefits everyone to have, you know, cool establishments, brick and mortar places um, in a town. And that's the one thing I feel Tigers lacking, man. 99 is so nice because you can go all over, right? You head one, one direction for an hour and a half and you're at the beach and you go north on it for 20 minutes and you're in downtown Portland. Um, I would love to someday possibly open, open up something, um, in town, a little larger, um, larger scale or something. It's just <laughs> it being highway 99, the property on it's fairly expensive. Right. I would, I would have to assume that one of the reasons why they're moving out of downtown has to be that I think the, these, these suburb cities like Beaverton, Tiger, Lake Oswego, the, this city business office might be a little easier to work with and that and that's not to say that like all city planning and all that stuff isn't per, you know it's got its <laughs> difficulties i'll say that for you mike so you don't have to there you go um because i know it's not always easy um but i would have to assume based on what i've heard is just you know working with planning commissions and licensing and all that stuff in downtown portland has just become just super frustrating for these for these businesses and to know that they can go 15 minutes out of town or 20 minutes um, and not have those same headaches is quite appealing. No, no, I hear I hear the same thing from a lot of the breweries or places up there that are thinking about opening up a you know either a satellite brewery or more of a tasting room pub style. Um, that it's a lot easier working with planning and zoning and permit and just city officials out in the in the suburb that it um, has been in Portland historically. So then, then there's the OLCC, but we won't get into that because I don't want to. Maybe you have a great relationship. I I don't know. <laughs> I've hey so far we're best. So friends. far so good. There, there you go. You love them. I absolutely love, love them. Eight years, no yeah, issues. I, I I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I started I started I, I felt like I pointed them in a direction they didn't want to go, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, sorry. We'll take that part out. <laughs> you you don't need to go on the record for that. Um. So uh, one thing I do know. Um that is when you know when you and i are hanging out at the uh um at the oregon convention center and we've got a break in in dance times we always pop over to the spirit of 77 to uh shoot some hoops at least we, we've done it a couple of times you do it w way more frequently than me mike but but um where where do where does mike westfall go when he's not you know just working your butt off when you're not at tap for you or or a dance <laughs> Or, or, or a dance picking people off. We're, we're, in, we're in that lull of summer break. I'll actually tell you this, Mike. I, I had to swing by um, Grocery Outlet because they have our family's preferred toilet paper. Oh, okay. It's the, it's the Panda brand. We love it. Hey. We fell in love with it years ago, and it's the only place we can find it. And I walked into to Grocery Outlet, and it had literally been like a month since I was, I've been in there because it used to be so convenient picking up the, the girls from dance. But I'm walking in there and just like, oh, this place is kind of foreign. So I would assume they probably have a summer lull from from us uh, Portland, you know, or the the fired up dance dads and, and parents from shopping in the summer when we're not down there. I we go, oh, I'll just go into grocery outlet and buy some stuff. I actually did the same thing recently with um, the dance studio's neighbor, Mazalan. Uh, oh yeah, restaurant. Yeah, uh, we had a, our son had duo practice every Friday. So my wife, Kate, and I, we decided, you know what, since he's not driving yet, when we drive him down there, why don't we just have a quick date night and at least get, you know, an appetizer and a beer. And so we'd go and see Renee down there. And I always feel bad because I told Renee, man, you used to see a lot of me before I op opened up Tap 4, yeah? <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, I, I would assume that some of those benefit or some of those businesses benefit from when that dance studio Oh, Absolutely. Is absolutely full capacity but anyway i guess so back to my question so i'm assuming there are places you like to go eat or maybe uh go go drink that's not tap for you that uh if you know if you were to recommend some of your favorites do you have some of those man i live in a very small triangle i feel like it's either my house tap for you cash and carry or costco so i don't get right. out okay. very much um, when i do i mean i of course have my favorite breweries um that i spend time with i go down to Wilsonville a lot uh, to go hang out at Vanguard Brewing. We actually have a uh, relationship with them. They contract brew. We have our own um, IPA that they brew for us. 
Um, so whenever I'm down in that neck of the woods in Wilsonville, I say neck of the woods, it's only five minutes away, but it's outside my triangle. Uh, right. They have some amazing pizzas down there. Um, but I love eating kind of in some hole-in-the-wall places. My wife and I, we have a pack every time we travel somewhere. We actually we research and we go to past episodes of Diner Driving and Dives with old Guy Fieri, and we try to go. Oh, yeah. We try to eat at a restaurant that's been on the show. Um, right. But some of I feel the the hidden gems of Tiger, and I'm gonna maybe put them on the map. Uh, H Mart, the little uh, Asian grocery store, kind of by By Mart. Yeah. Two of my favorite restaurants are in that grocery store. Half the people only know there's restaurants in there. There's a little Thai food restaurant, DD Thai. Thai Fusion. Yes. Buddy. Yes. The best oh, yeah. Thai food. My in-laws lived in Thailand um, many years, and we've picked up food from them on many occasions. Uh, mostly to go. I think they only have about six or seven or eight chairs that you kind of belly right. up at the counter as people are walking right behind you with shopping carts. Um, so we get a lot of their food always to go. They say it's some of the most authentic uh, Thai food that they've had outside of Thailand. So we love that place. And then right next to them, I don't know if you've been recently, Court, there's a new ramen place that's called, I think, uh, Lucky Cat Ramen. Yeah. Really good. It's in the old Fa place. Right when you walk in, it's on the right-hand side. And I believe, rumor has it, it's the same owners of DD Thai. They took over that okay. space. And I tell you, man, it's... <laughs> so close to tap for you plus it's on 99 so if i'm heading to go pick up some items at cash and carry running errands you will find me a lot of the times at either one of those places um quick food really good made to order um so if you like dd Thai, you got to try to check out lucky cat ramen it's 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 very good yeah yeah i remember um and i can say this now because they're no longer there but that um that pho place i i we went there a couple of times and one of the time i i remember get, getting something and the the meat i can't remember what it was but there was a lot of a lot of extra uh connective tissue uh, yeah yeah which might be common for for pho but i was not that ready for it and so it's just like my first my first pho experience probably not as good as it could have been <laughs> But I'll, I'll, tr I'll definitely try the ramen. It'll yeah, no, try the ramen. Fun. I just, I actually took Madison there. Uh, I haven't took, I haven't took my son yet, Cooper, there. But Madison, uh, we just had a little date day over there. We were out running errands together, and and she was a big fan of it. They don't have a lot of options. I think there's only about three or four different options, but they have different yeah. style broths, of course, different style meats. Uh, you know, gigantic bowls, super reasonable. Um, right. So it's kind of my new little gem here in town. It's interesting. We found that, you know, when we asked this question of a, a, lot, a lot of the people that we have on the podcast, Mike, and we found that probably nine out of 10 of the things mentioned where they go just for like the hole in the wall place, it tends to be an Asian like restaurant, like a like a ramen yeah. place or a, even a sushi or a, or a Thai place. So um, it, it's 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 interesting because it's, you know, I, I didn't have. I had American Chinese food as a kid, but it wasn't until my late twenties, thirties, where I got kind of surrounded by true, true Thai food and true, you know, Chinese food, like the real stuff or even Indian food. That's just like, oh, wait a minute, I this this is like a my palate's not even used to this stuff. <laughs> We're super spoiled here, man. Uh, between yeah. food, like, you know, this is exactly what your guys' podcast showcase, man. I mean. The food, the, the the wineries, the breweries, the distilleries, man. Portland has some of the coolest coolest spots around, I feel like. Yeah, certainly so. So I, I don't want to keep you longer than I said I would. So as we wrap things up, let's talk about your uh, eighth anniversary of Tapforia, which is happening next week. And it's is it a multi-day event? Yeah, we're splitting it up. We've, we've been doing this for a few years before COVID um, of splitting it up mostly for crowd control. Um, you've been to anniversary. You were actually at the last anniversary party, and I always feel guilty because I can't usually even say hi to people because we'll have 100 plus people inside and another 50 or 60 outside. So we're once again this year, we're going to split it up over two days, Wednesday and Thursday next week. I believe, what is it, the 13th, 14th yep. of... Uh, of July. Wednesday's kind of a kickoff for our Mug Club members. Um, you don't have to be a Mug Club member to show up. They're just going to get a few extra special things as a, as a thank you for, for their for their business. And then Thursday is going to just kind of be a free-for-all, um, you know, 
all-day type event. Uh, it should be pretty fun. We're going to have our food, pop-up food kitchens going on uh, both days. So that's going to be super fun. Um, and Salvia PDX are going to be out first time ever. They're going to be having a flat top on our patio, and they're going to be doing some street tacos and stuff, new items that they've never done before. So I'm actually looking super forward to trying some new food from them on uh, on Wednesday. And it should be a really, uh, really, really good time. We have Cascade Lakes Brewing uh, coming out from Redmond. They're going to be our, our special guest brewery for this year's uh, anniversary party. So we're going to be showcasing a lot of their uh, their beers. I'm going to have a killer IPA, uh, blonde ale, uh, new summer ale from them, a bunch of different can options. So it's going to be, uh, should be a good, good time. I saw the weather. We're lucky. We always have horrible luck planning these events every July where it's, you know, 100. I don't know, for some reason, it's always triple digits on our anniversary parties. And I always feel bad because it's hot. No one wants to hang out in a bar with 100 people when it's, you know, 100 degrees in our patio. But I saw that it's going to be in the, the low 80s. So unless something changes drastically, this could be <laughs> the nicest weather anniversary party that we've had in eight years. Very nice. And, and I and I should say, if you know, if because, you know, Mike, we have tens of listeners that listen to this podcast, tens and tens and, of them. And I welcome uh, all uh, tens of them out. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I think maybe, maybe we have a few more than that. But um, <laughs> obviously, a great opportunity to introduce yourself to Tap 4 would be during the anniversary party or maybe the, be the best opportunity would for you to come on a night different from that. Just come anytime and experience Tap 40 and uh, get to know it. You know, if you're not in the crowds, then maybe avoid Wednesday and Thursday. And I'm even going to throw this out. Monday and Tuesday might be pretty hectic too. I know we're doing a special, uh, uh, we teamed up with Make-A-Wish um, charity called Jebner's Wish and we're actually doing a fundraiser with them where proceeds of a special keg is going to be donated. So we're, I'm expecting next Monday and Tuesday to be not as busy as the anniversary party, but it's going to probably be quite busy. So if you want to come out and you don't like a ton of crowds, maybe over the weekend, because we could be dead. <laughs> there we go. And the weather's going to be great. And the, the weather's, weather's supposed yeah. to be great as well. We have a new AC unit and everything. So even, I guess, if oh, it man. turns hot, then you'll be, you'll be ready. We'll be ready. Yeah. Nice. So I know they can follow you. On, they can just look up Tapforia uh, on Facebook. It, it's Tapforia and or Tap House and Bottle. What do you? What is it? What's the full title? Full title Tapforia uh, Tap House and Bottle Shop. But the website's easy. It's just Tapforia. It's T A P P H O R I A, um, and we're the only one that has any <laughs> name close to that. <laughs> right. Very nice. So you can misspell it, and you might yeah. Google will still probably find it for you. You could totally find us. Awesome. All right, Mike, I appreciate your time today. Buddy, thank you for having me. I this was this was awesome that you even shot out. I was I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to go on a podcast with you. So <laughs> the fact that we have now broke the ice on the podcast. Broke the ice on this and then uh, you know, maybe one day Randy and I are gonna bring our other podcast back around. Oh no, it's not a maybe. It's it's okay. gonna happen. There we go. Well I'll get Tap you. For you. Tap for you, the presenting sponsor. I've been telling you for years too uh, that you can have Tap for you to do a live, uh, <laughs> live podcast, buddy. Yeah, because what people want is to see two married people just sit there and bicker at each other for forty minutes, buddy. No joke, and you know this. You had the biggest following at Tap for you. I, yeah, <laughs> you've always been super complimentary, and I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thank you. Buddy, thank you. I appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right